0: Psalm 71. <clears throat> psalm 71 uh, is entitled in my Bible, God the Rock of Salvation, but it's also a prayer for old age. And this is a psalm of mourning with a major focus on the psalmist trusting God. The psalm changes back and forth between expression of desperate need. And definite trust in the Lord. Now in this back and forth going on here, the psalmist shows us the way believers should react to suffering. The psalmist describes himself as an old man who has trusted in God for a long time. So let's begin by reading the whole psalm and then we'll go through it because we're going to not follow the, chap- the, the, the verses in sequence. So let's uh go through the whole the whole chapter or the whole psalm and then we'll look at it, you know, as as it as it flows. But in Psalm 71 verse 1, we read, "In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me; be my strong refuge, to which I may resort notice continually." You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O oh my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For you are my hope, O oh Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. But you, I have been upheld, by you I have been upheld, notice, from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. I have become as a wonder to many but you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. For my enemies speak against me, and those who lie in wait for my life take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, do not be far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed, who are adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor, who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually, and I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day, for I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. O God, you have taught me from my youth. And to this day, I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Also, your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things. O God, who is like you? You have shown me great and severe troubles, shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Also with the lute I will praise you and your faithfulness, O my God. To you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you and my soul which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long. For they are confounded, for they are brought to shame who seek my hurt. In his great time of need... The psalmist asks to be faithful to his servant. The structure of the psalm is as follows First, a confession of the psalmist's resolute trust in God, verses 1 through 3. Second, prayers for God to deliver the psalmist from trouble, verses 4 through 6. Third, a determination to praise God even in the midst of trouble, verses 7 through 8. Fourth, prayers for deliverance, verses 9 through 11. Fifth, a call for judgment on the psalmist's enemies, verses 12 through 13. Sixth, a commitment to trust and praise God, verses 14 through 16. Seventh, a renewal of the psalmist's prayers based on his experience of God's faithfulness, verses 17 through 18. Eighth, a renewal of trust in God, verses 19 through 21. Ninth, a determination to praise God, verses 22 through 24. Again, the theme is old age. The author, we're not sure of. It's unknown. But many of the expressions we find in this psalm are are the same as many other psalms that David wrote. So again, it, it could very well be David, but again, it's unknown. The first three verses here are the same as the first three verses in Psalm 31, which David did write. But here's the thing we shouldn't get hung up on who wrote it. Whether David wrote it or not, Psalm 71, you know, it, it, it doesn't, you know, whoever wrote it doesn't contribute to the psalm. What's important is the content. It's content that we're looking for. That's what does, that's, we're looking for what the psalm has to tell us. And this psalm, like I said, is a psalm of old age. And so for all who are older and will be one day, You know, which is going to be true for most of us sooner or later if the Lord doesn't return first and, you know, we're raptured out of here. But this psalm talks about four areas of old age. One, old age and its problems. Two, how the past looks when you're old. Three, the future in terms of what is yet to be done. And fourth, praise from one who has lived long enough to have seen God's faithful ways. So, again, they're, you know... uh, there, there is some humor in getting old, maybe uh, if you're not the one that's getting old, but uh, you know uh, and you know just from my own personal experiences, so <clears throat> and many have you know talked about being old. Jack Benny said this, and I 'm already giving away my age here, right Maybe some of you remember Jack Benny. He said age is strictly a case of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. Someone else says, whenever a man's friends begin to compliment him about how young looking he is, he can be sure that they think he's growing old. It's not fun getting old and being old, and maybe especially in our country, America. Because at other times and in other cultures, old age had advantages to make up for the disadvantages. Elderly people were honored, they were respected. Their wisdom was valued. But now, that's no longer the case in America. And especially in the West, for the most part. Today, the elderly have become targets of con artists and thieves. You see on the news, it's nothing for someone to attack and assault an elderly person anymore and rip them off. You know, they're they're subjects of rip-off scams, ripoff artists. Youth is what's valued today. All you have to do is look at the TV commercials, and usually it's all about young people. I look at all the beauty products—they're geared toward toward removing wrinkles, under eye bags, crepey skin—and I'll leave it. I'll stop there. You know, and, and most of all, those those dreaded, most dreaded of all, uh, uh, old age spots. Now, when you see a cute little kid with freckles, we say, "Oh, look at his cute little freckles." But when you see them on an elderly person, oh, look at those old age spots. They're the same thing. (laughs) Young people make fun of us. Now, I got to admit, I got it coming to me. When I was in high school, and a bunch of my friends and I would go to, remember Bob's Big Boy used to be over there on Vincent in West Covina where the mall is right there. Used to be a Bob's Big Boy there if you didn't know it. And we used to go there after, you know, football games or, you know, whatever to, to go and eat. And when we'd go in there and we'd see elderly people walk by, you know, when they were looking, we'd yell some mean thing to them. They'd turn around and we'd act like we didn't see, you know, and we'd just be about it. And we'd do it again. And we'd just keep doing it as they, they came in. And, and so, you know, it, it's kind of like the group of young guys, remember, when uh, that yelled at Elijah, hey, Baldy. Well, you know, we'd kind of do... Stuff like that. Now, when I used to work a secular job, and I started at this pharmaceutical company in 1971, I was in my early 20s. And I worked with a a bunch of young guys. There was one particular guy that we worked with who was probably in his mid-70s at that time, probably close to my age. His name was Herbie, and he he was the nicest guy. Herbie always carried a tube of polydent in his back pocket. Now, after lunch, he usually went to the restroom and applied a fresh batch to his dentures. Well, we used to sneak up behind him and take it out of his pocket. And when he'd go to the restroom to do his thing, he'd go in there and naturally, he couldn't find it. And he'd come out of that bathroom using words that I won't describe here. and They were pretty colorful, calling us names and trying to find out who took his pollen. And we'd all act like, Herbie, what are you talking about? We didn't touch your stuff. you know. And then he would get so frustrated, and then when we realized he'd had enough, we discreetly put it back. Hey, we saw it over there. Maybe you dropped it or whatever. Well, I'm not through with Herbie, poor Herbie yet. That wasn't all we did to Herbie. He also liked Frank Sinatra. Well, at my age, I mean, at that time, all young people thought Frank Sinatra was old people music. And I'm guessing that Herbie's favorite song was fly me to the moon. And all day long he would sing, fly me to the moon. And of course, we would be mocking him. And, and it, again, he was really good about taking our razzing. But it was the Paulident thing that he didn't think you know, was most funny. But again, why is it the young people can listen to Frank Sinatra music and they're cool? If I listen to it, I'm old. You know that's the whole thing about the young and the old. Our culture is so slanted towards youthful interests that a lot of older people, you know, they even try to dress and act like teenagers. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be young, but we need to do it tastefully. And I, one of the, and I remember one of the, uh, uh, the, the, kids here when he was real little, one of our, our our brothers and sisters that goes to church here. I don't want to mention a name, but. Um, you know, he was probably no higher than this. Really, really cute kid. And you know, he came in, and it was when it was several years ago. And his, he's a grown-up and he's adult and working now. But you know, it's when the little kids started spiking their hair like this, you know. And and I looked at him. and I said, "Man, I said I really like your new hairdo." And, and, and I said, "What do you think? Do you think I would look good like that?" And he looked up at his mom as if, "Is it okay if I?" Talk? I said, "What am I going to say, mom?" And she was kind of worried about what he was going to say. And he looked at me, and goes, "You don't have enough hair." <laughs> and I love it. So you know that just it's so cool. The kid I love the kids. They just, I mean, they're going to tell you, they're going to tell you what it what it's like, man. So again, uh, but again, the the problems that 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 uh, again, the psalmist, the psalmist didn't have those problems that you know, kind of like what I was just sharing you with you what uh, a lot of young people do, or I did back in the day, but the problems that the psalmist did have as a result of old age, they were serious. And we see them today. In fact, they're the most basic problems. Weakness. You know, we don't have the strength or the abilities that we once had anymore. And one problem of getting older is losing our strength. And a lot of the abilities that we used to be able to do, we, we that when we were younger, we can't do anymore. You know, in, all, all, in high school... You know, I was on the gymnastics team, and I used to lift weights, and I and I lifted them pretty much through most of my, my life. And you know, off and on, I wasn't real consistent, but to kind of stay in shape. And you know, it don't work anymore. You know, I just I, I've just given it up. You know, it doesn't it doesn't help anymore, and and all it does is make me hurt now. So you know, I said, okay, I'm done. That that phase of my life is over with. So if any exercise they do now is just to get the kinks out of my neck and my muscles that are all knotted up and you know so it's it's, it's a whole different thing now uh, we can't hear as good as we used to i hear ringing now i hear stuff that i never heard before you know it, we can't see as good as we used to you know i got large print bibles now i have had cataract surgery i can't remember things anymore that's what really bugs me I can't remember anything, and I said, "Lord, why did you why did you have to give me this example?" You know, just past Friday, and I said, "Well, you're teaching on it. Who best can give the example of old age?" You know, if it, when it happens to you, Kathy and I were upstairs getting ready to go shopping. I went into my closet and I grabbed a hat. I got the hat. I walked out of the closet. I put it on a table in the bedroom. It had from the closet to that table it had to be ten to fifteen feet. So I'm standing there, I'm thinking, okay, what else do I need before I leave? And I'm thinking, and I'm going, okay, and I'm thinking about my hat. I go back in the closet, there's no hat. Kathy, what did you do with my hat box? And that's how a lot of problems start. I can't remember, she can't remember, so we're blaming the other person. Kathy, what did you do? I didn't touch your hat box. My hat was just here. This is where I put it all the time. So I go out of the go, okay, well, and I look. Oh, oh, here it is. It's on the table. It, it couldn't have been 60 seconds, and I had forgotten. I got my hat, and I went back over there. So, and that's just, and that goes on much, much more than I would like it to. But I just can't remember things anymore. So, you know, so, you know it's just, it's just part, of, part of the going through that process. So, again, uh, it, it's just, you know, we, we get tired faster. We don't have as much stamina as we used to. We don't sleep as well. I sure don't. Wake up several times throughout the night. We have a great example in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 1 through 6. I'm going to read, to read it to you from the New Living Translation so you can get a real clear understanding of what Solomon said. He said, Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your Creator. In other words, when you're young, don't, because you're, you're youthful and you don't have all these things going on, don't, don't forget your Creator. Honor him in your youth, young people, before you grow old and no longer enjoy living. It will be too late then to remember him when the light of the sun and moon and stars is dim to your old eyes. And there's no silver lining left among the clouds. Your limbs will tremble with age and your strong legs will grow weak. Your teeth will be too few to do their work and you'll be blind too. And when your teeth are gone, keep your lips tightly closed when you eat. Even the chirping of birds will wake you up. But you yourself will be deaf and and tuneless with a quivering voice. You will be afraid of heights and of falling, white-haired and withered and dragging along without any sexual desire. Solomon just really went to town here. Um, He says, you'll be standing at death's door, and as you near your everlasting home, the mourners will walk along the streets. Yes, remember your Creator now while you are young. That's what I love about the Scripture. You know, God doesn't mess around. He tells it like it is. But again, don't worry, it's going to get better. I know it sounded pretty terrible right now and, and so far, but he's going to give us the good stuff in a minute. You know, a long time ago, a friend of mine that, you know, our, our class of 1966, a lot of us still hang out together and a lot of them became Christians and pastors. And, and it was just a real hand of God on, on, on Balm Park High School you know, when all got, Pastor all got saved. But we met with an, an old high school friend at, at the movie The Passion. And he said afterwards, I thought it would be he says, I thought seeing you guys would make me feel better. But you, Joe, you can't see Dale's bald and Rawls limping with a bad knee. And so, hey, bro, it's just that's the way it is, my friend. But uh, anyway, but it's what the psalmist is talking about when he tells God. And now in, in verse nine, in verse nine, he says, and now in my old age, don't set me aside, God. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing. So, again, we saw one of the first symptoms or one of the first things, again, of of getting older is weakness. A second one is a continuation of troubles, especially enemies. The second problem of old age is that the difficulties we faced all of our lives, they don't go away. They stay with us. And the trouble is worse because of our weakening strength or or capacities to deal with them. Now, in David's case, this had to do with his enemies those that he's written about in nearly every other psalm. He says in verse 10, he writes about these dangerous people. He says in verse 10, For my enemies are whispering against me. They are plotting together to kill me. The psalmist may have have thought that being elderly, others would be less likely to attack him. But as he found out, that's not the case. His enemies were just as present at the end of his life as they were in the beginning. A third thing that we see in getting older is being alone and no one to help. The third thing that, bo- that bothered the psalmist is that, his, that, that as he got older, he had fewer people to help him solve or help carry these burdens. He describes himself as being totally alone with nobody to help him but God. His enemies recognize this. And they said in verse 11, even God has deserted you. So let's go get him because there's no one to help him. You might feel that way too. You see, when you were younger, you had a lot of friends and a lot of coworkers. There were people that you could share your problems with. But now as we get older and, and those former friends are gone, you know, some may have nobody. But Proverbs 18, 24 says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he's looking to the past to his faithful God. We might not have anybody, all right. You might not have anybody with you, but if you're a Christian and here's where the good news comes in, if you're a Christian, you have God. And that means that you'll still have the only one who was really who was who was really with you from beginning to end and who was really able to help you all along. You know, it's one advantage of, of, of older age to know that by experience. But the, re- the reflections the psalmist gives us here concerning old age they aren't so they they aren't, and so we're gonna uh, they're not to wring our hands and to complain about how bad things are. Just the opposite, the psalmist warns us to see that even in old age he says that is given by God. It's one of his good gifts and it should be used for his glory and his blessing as well as being you know and in the well being for other people. The psalmist gets into these points first by stopping to look back over his life and reflect on what he's learned about God and experienced about Him during those earlier long years. The problems of old age are great. But one great advantage is is in having a long experience of God's presence and His faithfulness and His blessing. These are two things to notice about what the psalmist says about the past. He says in verses 5 through 6, notice, He knew God from his youth and even before that. O Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted you, O Lord, from my childhood. Yes, you have been with me from birth, from my mother's womb. You have cared for me. What this seems to mean is that that the psalmist remembers how he came to know God and how he came to trust him from childhood. We say that this kind of a person became a Christian early in life. But he's also saying that he's aware that God was with him even before childhood. That is, from the moment of his birth. Even though he can't remember the years before his early childhood himself. We know that this was true of the psalmist. And if it was David, he was a man of God even before he was a man. He was godly even when he was watching the sheep as the youngest and least of his eight brothers. Listen to what Isaiah 46, 3 and 4 says. Listen to me, all you who are left in Israel. I created you and have cared for you since before you were born. And I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. My God has been with me from birth and he's going to be with me till the day I die. And this is the comfort that we have as we get older. Do you have that comfort? Have you known the Lord from your childhood? If you have your privilege. Because you see, you can look back over a lifetime of God's faithfulness, care, and provision. Charles Spurgeon says, they are highly favored. Who can, like David, Samuel, Josiah, Timothy, and others say, you are my trust from my youth. Polycarp, the old bishop of Smyrna, was martyred on February twenty-second, 156 A.D. As Polycarp was being driven to the arena where he was going to be made uh, made to choose to worship Caesar or be burned to the stake, the city officials tried to talk him into making a gesture of worship to Caesar. Now, they respected Polycarp because of his old age and his reputation. And they said to him, what harm is there in just saying Caesar is Lord and burning incense and saving yourself? I love Polycarp's answer. He says, for 86 years, I've been Christ's slave and he's done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Even though Polycarp was old and probably physically weak, he wasn't weak. He was strong in his faith and he was never stronger because you see, he remembered the strength and the faithfulness of God to him all through those many years of his service as Christ's slave. And it will be the same for you and me. If, when in your old age, you recall God's love and faithfulness to you over your lifetime. The second thing that the psalmist says about the past is he he had become a wonder in verse 7. He says, I'm a wonder. In other words, I'm an example to many people. In both the good and bad sense, he's been an example. In the good sense, he says, look how God has protected and blessed me. In a bad sense, it would refer to how much he'd suffered and the amount of the calamities in his life. In other words, people would say, has anybody suffered as much as he has? But it also could be applied to the whole wonderful life of trials and blessings, of dangers and deliverances, which didn't ordinarily happen to most men. But again, the psalmist says definitely that he's a wonder in verse 7. And in this way... And that's why it's written for us here in the scriptures. Then he looks ahead to the next generation, which we, as the older, you know, uh, body of Christ, need to do. Look to the older, the, the younger generation, the next generation. There are people that are older that, when they look back to their past, they get bummed out. They think of what they have, they had, or or what they lost, or we, what wished, or, or what they they wished what they could have had and never did. The present doesn't mean much to them, except the reason just you know, to complain about you know, their growing aches and pains, and they're afraid to look ahead. They're afraid of dying. The psalmist's approach to old age wasn't like this, because not only did he look to the past to remember God's goodness and faithfulness to him over the many long years of his life, he also looked to the future in terms of the work still left to do. Hey, Moses started his ministry at 80. Caleb, at 80 years old, was still saying, Lord, give me mountains to climb. You know, we talk about retiring at 50. He knew, the psalmist knew, that if God had left him in life and had not yet taken him home to be with him in glory, it was because there was work to do. And this work was to tell the coming generation about God. Ty tells the older, to te- the older men to teach the young men and the older women to teach the younger women. Believe it or not, young people, the older generation does have something to say. Listen to verses 17 through 18, what the psalmist said here. This led the psalmist to say this in verse 17 and 18. Oh God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood and I have constantly told others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I am old and gray, God, don't abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power, notice, to this new generation. Your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Somebody said that the Christian church is always one generation away from extinction. Meaning that each generation has the responsibility of passing Christian doctrine on to the next. Paul exhorted Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2 teach these great truths to trustworthy people who are able to pass them on to others. You see, the psalmist knew this. That's what the psalmist wants to do. He wants to pass on the wonderful life that he had with God and, and tell him all about this wonderful God. He wants to pass it on to the next generation. But since he's writing about old age, he's trying to say that uh, say that older people have a special and unusual gift to teach the young. Now, this doesn't mean that they know more than those in middle age. An older person doesn't necessarily know more than his pastor about the Bible. But the older person has lived a lot longer with God. And he's seen more of God's faithfulness over more years of life than the younger people, no matter how much they might know. And so for that reason, a person like this is especially well-equipped to help the young. Have you ever noticed that there is a special bond between the elderly and children? And even in the secular world, they've started taking advantage of this in nursing homes and in kindergartens by bringing people from nursing and convalescent homes to help care for children in daycare centers and other institutions. Then the psalmist talks about the present. Praising God now. And this brings us to the present. The third way that the psalmist deals with the limitations of getting older. He looks to the past to remind himself of God's faithfulness and of God's power. He looks to the future to remind himself of the work that still needs to be done. And then after these two things, he turns to the present and he starts to do exactly what he's been talking about. He bears witness to God now. What he praises God for mainly is his righteousness. Look at verses 19 through 21. He says, Also your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you. You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. He also speaks of his faithfulness. Look at 22 through 24. Also with the lute I will praise you and your faithfulness, O my God. To you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you, and my soul which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought to shame, who seek my hurt. First of all, God's righteousness. The word righteousness here is used in different ways in the Bible, especially of that divine righteousness that's imparted to us in justification. But that's not the way the word is used here that the psalmist is using, nor usually in the Psalms. Here, this word righteousness refers to God's right dealings, to the fact that everything that God does is just and it's fair, that nobody can find fault in God. The word here, righteousness, appears like this throughout the Psalms written by David. And again and again, he calls God a righteous God, and it speaks of God's righteousness. And this is a great testimony on the psalmist's part, that a person has lived a long time and has found by his or her own experience that God does all things righteously or justly. So, that being the fact, God can be trusted. And secondly, it's the part of wisdom. It's the part of wisdom to conform one's life to God's will and God's standards. That is a great and important testimony to pass on to the next generation. That God is faithful, that God can be trusted. And that we need to conform to his will, his will and his standards. Then, as he said about God's faithfulness. In one way, the whole psalm has been about God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness in the past and the prayer of the psalmist that God will stay faithful to him in his older years. Here at the end of the theme, it's the same. Because it's the last and the main thing that the psalmist wants to say to those who are still to come, the next generation. He wants them to know God. He wants them to know that God is a totally faithful God and that He can be trusted and to stay faithful. If you've known God at all, you have found out that He is really a God of great faithfulness. And know that this has to be your testimony too. The things that will get you through those older, later years. Here's the thing that will get you through those older and later years. Look at verse 3. Be my strong refuge to which, notice, I may resort continually. Practice continual prayer. He says, you have given the commandments to say, for you are my rock and my fortress, to which I may resort continually practice continual prayer you're never too old we're never too old to pray and experience should teach us that the longer we live the more we need to pray not less then verse 6c the last part of verse, verse 6c notice it says my praise shall be continually of you practice continual praise you're never too old to praise the lord As a matter of fact, the longer we live, the more we have to praise the Lord for. And it's never the wrong time to praise the Lord. Then 14, the next thing. But I will hope continually. Continual hope. He who has a hope can always wait. The psalmist has a greater hope in the Lord, he said, more than the watchmen who wait for the dawn to come. Psalm 132, verses 5 through 6. David says, I, d- I know that God will answer my prayers. He is so, he is so aware of that, and he, is so, he believes that so much, and he knows it so much. He says, that will happen uh, more consistent than, he says, I, I believe it more than the sun rising every morning. He says, I believe that more than the sun rising every morning. Then in verse 16, here's the next thing. He says, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. Depend upon his strength. The older we get, the more we should and need. Again, it's not optional to depend upon the Lord's strength. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So again, the things that will help us to get through those those older years is practice continual prayer, practice continual praise, Having continual hope and depending upon his strength. So in closing, when you practice continual prayer and continual praise and continual hope and you depend upon his strength, that's like the tree that's planted in the house of the Lord. Psalm 92 verses 12 through 14 reads like this. "And those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. He shall flourish in the courts of the Lord. And they shall still, notice, they shall still bear fruit in old age. And they shall be fresh and flourishing. What a wonderful encouragement from God in this psalm. You see, God planned the strength and the beauty of youth to be physical. And the strength and the beauty of age to be spiritual. spiritual. Nature decays but grace thrives. Father, we thank you so much for this encouraging word, Lord. Father, yes, there are things that, Father, wear us out and wear us down, God, as we get older. But Lord, again, those are just signs of the times that, Father, we're approaching, Lord, our time with you, God. And Father, help us not to Father, dislike the older years, Lord, or complain about our older years, Lord. But God, help us to grow closer to you, Lord. Father, to be thankful for you. That, God, you've been with us from birth. Father, to our last breath and everything in between, God. And, Father, thank you for giving us the encouragement to hope. God, the encouragement to pray, the encouragement to praise you. God, the encouragement to depend upon your strength, Lord. And God, your promise that we will flourish in the older years, Lord. That, Father, we'll still, still bear fruit in old age, Lord. And that, Father, we will be fresh and flourishing, God. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your encouragement. And Father, help us to be like Moses, Lord, who started his ministry at 80. Caleb, Lord, at 80, was still asking for mountains to climb. And Father, we read when, when Moses died that his, he still had vigor and the light was still in his eyes, God, because of you. And Father, may we look to you. May we depend upon you, Lord, in our young years as well as our older years. We need you from beginning to end, Father. And Lord, we thank you for being our God. And we thank you for, for not casting us off in our weaknesses, Lord. In the, and in those things that, that we just can't seem to physically do anymore, God. We love you so much, Lord, for being such a, a wonderful and faithful God, Lord. And maybe you're here tonight and, again, maybe you don't know Christ. As your Lord and Savior. Whether you're young or older. And a lot of times the older a person gets. The the more set in their ways they get. and, And it's harder for them. To surrender their lives to the Lord. Because they've been running their life. Themselves for so long. But our prayer is for young and old. That if you don't know Christ. That the Holy Spirit. Would move in your heart. And you would recognize. Your need for Christ. Because we all need him. The worship team is going to lead us in a time of worship. And if God has spoken to your heart. And you recognize your need for Christ. Then as we worship. You get up out of your seat. You make your way down the aisle. I'll meet you there in front of the steps. And when the song is over. We'll pray together a simple prayer of faith.